This is the Non-Microwave Truth, a Time of Grace production, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Oh, this Christmas will be... Man, do you think... And we're going to get right into our first world problem today. Do you think that kids should think there is a Santa Claus who brings them presents? Like, do you celebrate Christmas? And do you think that kids should believe that there is a Santa Claus that brings them presents? And if so, what age should this stop? Now, like I said, first world problems, there's really no right or wrong. This is more so a, a preference. But here's what I think. I think that for the most part, kids should not believe that there is some made up dude from the North Pole with a big belly in a red outfit who's sliding down the chimney, giving him gifts. Because I look at it like this. It really takes away and is a distraction from what we should be celebrating, which is Yeshua's birthday. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And on top of this, kids make correlations like, oh, well, if Santa Claus is fake, does that mean Jesus is fake? But I know I could be looking into it way too much. But just imagine this too. Your son is like in the second grade and comes home. Mommy, Daddy, Timmy told me that Santa Claus is fake. Why is he lying to me? Well, sorry, son. He's telling the truth, actually. <laughs> like, is your kid going to be the one who's believing it? And how long will they believe it then? I could see my kid being a little jerk who's like, Santa's not real. My mom and dad said Santa's fake and they just made it up to ploy to get you to buy all these gifts and it's really not about that. It's about Jesus. But hey, what do you think? Do you think kids should think there is a Santa Claus who brings them presents? And if so, what age should this stop? And I definitely was a little kid who went to the mall and sat on Santa's lap. I think I was a little scary. I think my cousin Corey took me and I was acting like a little baby. But I'm not sure I ever believed or thought there was a Santa Claus. Like I think I always knew my parents got the presents, but I definitely don't know where they were hiding. But, but this is our first word problem today. Do you think kids should think there is a Santa Claus who brings them presents? And if so, what age should this stop? Remember this first word problem is not life or death. It's just a matter of opinion. What do you think Jesus would do in this situation? What do you think he would do if he had kids or wants us as Christians to do? And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is I Won't Forgive. In our last episode, which was titled Angry With God, we looked at Joseph and I want to keep looking at Joseph's life. And I wanted to look at specifically in Joseph's life, how he was able to forgive his brothers who sold him into slavery. And how was he able to forgive someone who lied and said he raped them when he did not even the closest thing? And how was he able to forgive someone who forgot about him after he had blessed them, blessed them and gave them just awesome news? Like, how was Joseph continuously able to forgive and I just started thinking about this the other day because I had a little I had to make check myself and make sure that I was forgiven. Someone came and told me something that someone said and, and lied and said, oh, yeah, I heard that you said this. And it's like I, I didn't say anything close to that. 
Like, why would you lie like that? Like, you felt comfortable telling that lie to somebody else? And and it just upset me because it's like, man, all I was trying to do was help a situation. I actually made the situation better. But then you're going to lie and then you're going to run and tell somebody else this lie. And I started thinking about what T. Grizzly said. These people praying on my downfall. These people praying on my downfall. And I was a little bit in my feelings, but I got over it quick. And instead of playing the T. Grizzly, I went ahead and played the, the Kurt Franklin. Melodies from heaven rain down on me. And that's definitely better than playing that T. Grizzly because the T. Grizzly had you angry and it, in a bad mindset. And I just was thinking like, I had to just remind myself that hurt people, they hurt people. But it was, I still kept going like, why are you lying on my name? And this ended up being minor. And you might have something that's weighing on your heart and it's actually big and something where you're really having trouble uh, forgiving someone. And I just wanted to remind myself as well as remind you, it's just the simple fact that when people hurt you, it's because they are hurt and it's because they are a sinner. And we got that all in common. Like every single one of us has that in common. And it's very, 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 very typical to want revenge over forgiveness. But we just got to remember, revenge doesn't heal us from that hurt that we're experiencing. It doesn't. And I know I've gotten mad at God because he forgives the people or the person that I want to see suffer. And I don't know their exact suffering or I don't know their exact consequence. Has that ever happened to you or do you ever feel like that? And I have to remind myself, I'm not God. You aren't God. And that healing only comes. Healing comes through forgiveness. I was talking to my brother about this and he mentioned something that T.D. Jakes brought up. And I think he described unforgiveness as a cancer. And the reason he described it as a cancer is because cancer never stays where you find it. It spreads. And if it's left unattended, it will spread throughout the whole body. And I think the first step is just to understand that forgiveness, that doesn't exonerate the perpetrator. That doesn't mean it's letting the person who who wronged you off the hook. Forgiveness actually liberates the victim. It's a gift you give yourself. And why I thought we should continue to look at the life of Joseph again is because it involves the the same life that all of us experience. It involves family drama. It involves childhood trauma. It involves family curses and someone who broke a family curse and someone who did not break a family curse. And I look at Jacob. Jacob is Joseph's Joseph's father, if you remember. And he had the family curse of picking a favorite son who happened to be Joseph and his younger brother, Benjamin. And you would think that Jacob would know better than to pick a favorite son because he wasn't his son. He wasn't his father's favorite son. And he saw all the damage and hurt that that caused him. But like I said, hurt people hurt people. He all of a sudden was passing down trauma. He all of a sudden was continuing a cycle that only could be stopped through forgiveness. But like I said, since Jacob didn't address this issue in the right way, his favoritism towards Joseph caused all his other sons to hate Joseph, caused them to hate Joseph so much that they said, man, let's kill him. Like, let's literally kill him in his life. But they said, you know what? Let's just sell him into slavery. We don't want, we don't want to be murderers. And we see how unforgiveness keeps the cycle of hurting people continuing. Jacob didn't forgive his dad. The brothers didn't forgive their father. And they took it out on Joseph by selling him into slavery. But on this episode of I Won't Forgive, we are going to examine and look at 
how did Joseph forgive? Why did Joseph forgive? And the first thing is Joseph kept trusting and he kept doing it God's way, despite the results. I mean, just look at Genesis chapter 39. Joseph was thrown into prison. He still was able to forgive the woman who lied on his name and said he raped me and he got in prison because of that. Just think about that. You did things the right way and you get thrown into prison. I mean, wouldn't the the natural human thought to be like, I hate this woman. I hate her. She absolutely ruined my life and cost me years of my freedom. But Joseph's trust in God and his perspective to see it through God's lens, even though he seemed to be in human bondage, he was spiritually free. He was spiritually free. And that's evident because he still had success as a prisoner. Like he ended up running the prison pretty much and he kept using his talents. And it tells us that there were two dudes that were in prisons with prison with him. It was a cupbearer and there was a baker and he had the talent of interpreting dreams. And he interpreted both of these men's dreams. Now, the thing about it is he told the cupbearer like, hey, you're going to get your job back. Just remember me when you get out. The baker, he didn't have such good news. He had to tell the baker that he was going to get impaled. But just think about that. If you locked up with someone, you're in prison with someone, you give them news that they're going to get out and your news and information is like 100 percent spot on. Every detail is right. Accurate. It's like, how could you like how you forget me? How did you forget me? I don't I don't understand that. I don't get it. But go ahead and read this. This is in um, Genesis chapter 40. So when the cupbearer forgot Joseph, he did him wrong like he did him dirty. It's like you bless someone and then you're not even asking for the return of a favor of a blessing in the same way or the same capacity. You're just saying, just remember me, pass the word along. And this is like someone who did you wrong and then you hear about something good that happened to them or something that you wanted happened to them, the person that did you wrong. Or you look on social media and they just happen to pop up and it seems like they got blessed. A side note with that. One, if you're on social media and this type of thing happens, you probably need to get off social media. And two, you just have to remember everything that appears as a blessing, it's not always a blessing. And something that I want to highlight or point out is if I was in Joseph's position, I would have to forgive God. I would be upset with God. I would be asking why. I would be ticked off. But what we see is that Joseph trust, Joseph's trust is so unique. And you remember the cupbearer who forgot about him? All of a sudden, not all of a sudden, well, two years later, the Pharaoh was like, hey, I had this dream. And he goes to his magicians and they're like, yeah, I can't interpret that. Then he goes to his wise men and they're like, yeah, I don't know what this dream is about. I, I can't interpret that. And then the cupbearer is like, oh, yeah. Remember when you had me locked up and thrown in the prison? I did meet this dude, a real cool dude named Joseph. Matter of fact, he interpreted my dream. I bet you can interpret your dream, too. Bro, you just now remember two years later? Come on, man. Better late than never, though. And Joseph then gets the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And the reason that I say that Joseph obviously had to forgive God and he was still trusting and loving and on the same page with God is just how he responded. Pharaoh said to Joseph, he said, hey, I had this dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Listen to how Joseph responds. Joseph says, I cannot do it, 
but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. He gives all the credit and the glory to God, despite the life that he's had. And you just got to remember this. He's been in prison sitting there for two years. He wasn't just sitting, though. He was still thriving and succeeding in prison. But he was sitting in prison for two years because the cupbearer couldn't remember him. Talk about God's timing, God's speed. So I just want to point this out. Joseph has forgiven the woman who falsely accused him of rape. Joseph has forgiven the cupbearer who forgot him for two years. Joseph has also forgiven his brothers who were jealous and had him sold into slavery. Oh, yeah. Joseph also forgot, forgave Potiphar, who had him thrown into prison and believed his wife. when he knew his, he probably knew his wife was fast. He knew his wife probably was throwing the cookie from the cookie jar. But he still forgave Potiphar, too. And I know some of you are thinking, like, CL, how do you know Joseph forgave all these people? And I just want to ask you this question. Have you ever seen someone who didn't forgive? Have you ever noticed, like, how bitter they are, how much they complain, how how negative they are or angry or, like, they really don't see the good in anything? And I know for me personally, when I haven't forgiven people, I've probably been more reserved and closed off. And I'm not giving people the benefit of the doubt. And have you ever seen someone where how they automatically feel like entitled and justified to have those outbursts and they feel entitled to be rude and be a jerk and be like, well, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't feel this way. If this didn't happen, I wouldn't act like this. If you wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done that. And a huge point, huge, huge, huge point that will come up later as we keep going on through this episode of I Won't Forgive is that people who haven't forgiven They want you to view the person who wronged them in the same light and way that they do. So if they look at them as an obnoxious, rude, lying, conniving jerk, they want you to look at them as an obnoxious, lying, conniving jerk, too. And if you don't look at them with the same hatred or animosity or just view, they get mad at you and they looking at you crazy like, well, whose side are you on? And Joseph has none of these traits that I just listed off or none of these thought processes or philosophies that I just talked about. And something else I just want to point out is it seems that Joseph was still looking good and had good health because like low key, when you don't forgive, that messes with your health and almost like gets you sick because you start to become anxious about places you can or can't go. You become depressed. You get obsessed with plan what happened to you over and over again. And then on top of that, you are constantly thinking about revenge. You aren't present at all. And I I know Joseph forgave because he never mentions thoughts of getting revenge. And whatever job he was in, whatever position or situation he was in, he kept being all in. Like whatever position, position he was working for or he had, he was going all in. He was trying to be the absolute best. He was still trying to glorify God. He still knew that he had a purpose in that position despite his sucky circumstances. And when he did get in a position where he could get revenge, like when he became second in command because he got pointed second in command once Pharaoh was like, oh, yeah, you can interpret this dream. And you told me that it's going to be seven years of of a plentiful in the land and it's going to be seven years of, of famine. You know what? You can be second in, in command. And he was running everything. So when Joseph is second in command, you don't think he could have got back at Potiphar's wife? You don't think he could have got back at the cupbearer? You don't think he could have got back at Potiphar? And we're going to see how he could have got back at his brothers, too. The same brothers that sold him into slavery. And the beautiful thing about with Joseph, and this is a, this is the last point that I'll make on how I know he forgave, is not only did he not seek revenge, but Joseph masterminded a plan that would save Potiphar. 
his wife, the cupbearer, and his brothers. And he saved Egypt. He saved the place that most of us would have hated the absolute most. The place that most of us would have been like, peace out, I'm gone, like never coming back to Egypt. But that wasn't Joseph's mentality. Because Joseph knew, Joseph knew that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I feel like Joseph, if he was in today's world, he would have had Romans 8 verse 28 tatted on his chest like, amen. And I have to bring up the time with this because sometimes when you go through things like this, we skim or we go through, go through so fast the time or the, the story that it doesn't do justice how much time Joseph actually spent in what some of us would call like hell. I mean, he had 13 years where he was working in Potiphar's house or he was in prison. So this is 13 years either as a slave or as a person in prison. And he ends up being second in command in the greatest country of that time. But this still took 20 plus years later for him to come face to face with the people who sold him into slavery. And this comes from Genesis chapter 42. So remember, he had 13 years of being a slave or in prison. He becomes Pharaoh's right hand man and he's running Egypt. Then you got to add seven more years on top of that because the land of Egypt was plentiful. Um, he was stocking and he was building barns and storage things for the grain and for all the stuff that they were able to harvest in that time. The famine didn't just happen in Egypt. It happened throughout a great deal of the land. His brothers, they run out of food back at home. And his dad is like, hey, I heard Egypt has some food. Go down to Egypt and get some food from Egypt. So the brothers have to travel all the way from Cana to Egypt. And this takes place in Genesis chapter 42 to like 45. I, I suggest you read it. But the ultimate sign of forgiveness, the ultimate sign of forgiveness is when the people who wronged you, like the people who did you bad, they, the people that did you dirty, and you're supposed to forgive, all of a sudden they need something from you. They need something from you. What are you going to do? So Joseph had a chance to get revenge, but that would have put him on a completely different path. In fact, what Joseph does, though, is he blesses his brothers. His brothers don't even know it's him right away. Like, they can't even tell him. It's 20 years. I mean, he probably got the Egyptian culture and style and makeup. I don't know how they was dressing back then, but he didn't look like little Joseph that was 17 years old. He's 37 years old now. But he forgave him. And just to put this in perspective, it took Joseph at least 20 years to see exactly what God was doing. Exactly why God had allowed so many horrific things to happen. But however, I want to point this out. It didn't take him 20 years to forgive someone, though, because if Joseph had not forgiven his brothers, had not forgiven those other people in his life who wronged him, he would have been on a completely different path. He would not have been on a path where God was able to use him and propel him to be second in command in the greatest country of that time. And on this episode of I Won't Forgive, I brought up earlier the factor of, of wanting revenge. And I, I have to point out to you that the brothers, when Joseph was 17 years old, they would have been able to get their revenge or they would have been able to get the uh, dish out the consequence that they wanted to, which was selling Joseph into slavery. But I just want to point out to you that 
over that 20 years where Joseph was missing, they had so much guilt. They had so much shame that they were carrying on. And Joseph did give them some tests throughout to see if they actually had changed. And one thing about it is they had forgiven their father. And that was evident because they were still able to love the younger brother, Benjamin, who their father clearly showed favoritism to. Like they still would bend over backwards. They would they would take a bullet for, for Benjamin. But it doesn't appear that as, as though they had forgiven themselves. They had not forgiven themselves for the way that they had treated Joseph. But Joseph continuously released that bond of, hey, I love you and I forgive you. And when Joseph's father, Jacob, had died and he was back in Egypt living the life, the brothers got they got scared like, oh, man, Joseph is about to get his revenge. The only reason the only reason he was letting us slide before is because dad was alive and he knew dad didn't want it to happen. But something that I was reminded about and I learned from this again is when you forgive people and you bless them, you make people know that God is involved in. And Joseph has such a godly perspective. He has such a godly perspective. So when his father's di father dies and his brothers get worried, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says to his brothers, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. Let me recap you with five reasons that you should forgive. The first one being unforgiveness is like cancer and unforgiveness is spreading and spreading is what kills. The second point, you block your blessings. When you don't forgive, you block your blessings. When you're seeking revenge and you're being all hate filled that becomes draining and it messes up your vision so much that you can't see the doors and the opportunities that you have. The third reason to forgive. You are not God. I'm not God. And you and I don't have the right to dish out godly consequences or say this is how God should be doing things. The fourth reason. No good comes from not forgiving. Like nothing. Nothing good comes from not forgiving. It's like being shot in the leg and then shooting someone else in the leg. That's not going to stop your pain, but at least they know how it felt. How you felt is not how someone else is going to feel, and that's still not going to allow for you to heal. Allow God to heal you and mend you together how he wants you to be mended together. The fifth reason, what you don't want to forgive someone for, you have done worse. I have done worse to our Savior. I've abandoned him. I've cheated on him. I've lied on him. I've took advantage of him. I've abused him. You and I were forgiven too, and we didn't deserve it. But I know some of you are probably still thinking, how could I forgive someone who ruined my life? And I just want to remind you that no one has the power to ruin your entire life. They might have ruined a moment. They might have ruined a bunch of moments. Yes, but there are billions of moments in your life. Joseph's life touches on everything. It touches on abandonment. It touches on false imprisonment. Those are probably the two biggest ones I fear. And I would say most of us do. But what we learn from Joseph is Joseph never forgot. He never, ever forgot that God was with him. And the second one, and this is the, a huge one, is that he remained present. He kept moving. He kept living. He always knew that there was another door to open. He wasn't too focused on the past. He wasn't too focused on the, on the future. He was focused on what is good what is joyful? What is a blessing in this exact moment that I'm living right now? 
because you and I have to understand that as long as we're living, there's a reason. There's a reason why we are living. And what I was reminded by the life of Joseph, and this is probably the toughest point, is that there's purpose behind the pain. And for Joseph, it took 20 plus years to see exactly why. 20 plus years to see the exact reason why. And that was through faithful obedience. And that's the the final point about Joseph, is that Joseph, despite all of this, he remained faithful to God. And I'm a firm believer in controlling what you can control, not forgiving. That won't really do anything to that person, but it will damage and negatively impact the relationships you want to give love to, though. Like if if you never forgave your parent, that's going to impact your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. If you never forgave your spouse, that's going to impact your relationship with your kids. If you never forgave some some boss at a job, that's going to impact how you look at jobs and view opportunities that that present themselves. If you never forgave that friend who crossed you, it's going to impact the friendships that you could have that could be there to help you grow and to heal properly. Man, like, thankfully, God is love and he forgave us. Like, don't listen to the devil's lie. But what I did to God isn't as bad as what so-and-so did to me. It's actually worse because our Lord and Savior, he took on the world for us. He went through the poopy, whiny stages of life for us. He paid a debt of being abandoned mentally and physically and spiritually. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was wrongly imprisoned. He was whipped. He had a treacherous death, but yet he forgave us. He forgave you. He forgave me. The spirit of God is yours, and it is the same spirit you can use to forgive whoever that person is that you're struggling to forgive. And this is the non-microwave truth. You have the power to forgive. You absolutely have the power to forgive. Thanks for joining me on this episode of I Won't Forgive. If you enjoyed this episode or any episodes in the past, don't be afraid to hit the five star, leave a review. It could even be a couple of words, but it would be greatly appreciated. And of course, if you think this podcast could benefit anyone, go ahead and share it with them. You can even hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. I love the interactions that I've been having with people. My handle is championlife23. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.